On India decides tonight our top story. Outrage has spread over Italy's refusal to send back the two Marines charged with the murder of two Kerala fishermen. From protests in Parliament, the anger has spread to the politicians and people of Kerala. India has summoned the Italian ambassador to lodge a strong protest against the Italian snub. But what can it do beyond that? As Nidhi Razdan and Sunil Prabhu report, the options for the Indian government are extremely limited. After the snub, Italy's ambassador to India summoned by New Delhi, which lodged a strong protest against Rome's decision to not send back two Marines facing charges of murder for killing two Indian fishermen last year. Italy is obliged under the terms of that assurance to ensure that the two Marines return in the time frame given by the Supreme Court. He simply took note of the position conveyed to him that the message we had received from his embassy was not acceptable. Government sources say India's options are limited. The expulsion of Italy's envoy is one since he gave an undertaking to the Supreme Court that the Marines would return to India when the top court allowed them to go home to vote in Italy's general election last month. But a section of the government feels it will only escalate matters. Another option allowing the trial to proceed and if the Marines are found guilty, the government can ask for Interpol to issue a notice, but that may not help much. The third option going to the International Criminal Court, but India has been trying to avoid internationalizing the issue and insists the case does fall in India's jurisdiction. It's a generosity of the Indian government that despite all limitations, they were allowed to go. But it would be a betrayal, it's a betrayal and it is an unacceptable act by the Italian government. In Kerala, there is massive anger. As the issue snowballs into a political one, questions are being asked about why India's Supreme Court allowed the Marines to go home in the first place. First for Christmas and then to vote. And as the external affairs and the law department discuss the legal fallout, a political call will have to be taken. Vindidi Razdan, Sunil Prabhu, NDTV. For more on this big story, I'm joined live from Italy, from Rome, by NDTV's Nupur Tiwari. Nupur, thanks very much for joining us. A clearly, outrage in India. But what are the newspapers, what is public opinion in Italy seeing all of this as? Well, Vasu, the public opinion over here is kind of mixed, but of course, uh, people are kind of relieved uh, that these Italian Marines didn't have to go back to India. In fact, if you look at some of the major newspapers here, here's the La Stampa that has this news right on the front page, despite the fact that, by the way, uh, the conclave is about to start right behind me any second. I'm here at the Vatican City. Uh, you see right on the friend front page over there uh, saying that the Italian government is challenging New Delhi uh, and trying to find a solution. Another very major newspaper here, uh, La Repubblica, uh, is also talking about this on its front page lower down. Uh, if you can see that there, uh, 
they are also talking about the challenge uh, that the Italian government has thrown to India and they are also saying in fact that New Delhi has violated the obligations of international law. So uh, also some of the newspapers in fact uh, talking about the speculation that perhaps there is uh, some sort of exchange of in mechanical documents involved without really clearly saying what the connection directly could be. And another paper here again, another major paper uh, also talking about the Italian Marines with their photos right here saying that a dispute is beginning with India. So as you can see, this is something uh, that uh, Rome is pretty preoccupied with. Italians have been closely following this story and there seems to be this uh, idea that India has no intention of acting very quickly. Now the Italians of course are being uh, pretty uh, belligerent because they are saying that the uh, Supreme Court judgment of January 18 uh, mentioned that the two sides should try to make a common effort uh, uh, based on Article 100 of the UN Convention of the Law of the Sea. Now this is what it seems the Italians are going to insist on. They wanted to take it uh, to international law. At the same time, we spoke to uh, the Italian government sources yes. and they said that they have in fact been waiting for India to react and they haven't had any reaction from them and that there was no uh, choice left for them as it were. But at the same time, they're insisting that they'd like to keep it within the uh, friendly framework uh, between the two countries. But like I said, there is a certain amount of belligerence and of course the public opinion is swelling in favor of the Italian Marines. Vasu? Right. Uh, Nupur, while you mentioned the arguments that the Italians are making that they would like to take this uh, before uh, some sort of an international forum and also to invoke the provisions of the UN Convention uh, on such actions that take place on the seas, uh, at the same time, India's argument, of course, is that all that is very well, but all that doesn't allow the Italians to carry out the underhand act of actually not returning these two fishermen uh, when in fact the Italian government has committed uh, that they will be back in India by the 22nd of this month. That's the commitment that the Italian ambassador gave on behalf of the government in the Supreme Court, uh, which clearly constitutes a fairly significant breach. Uh, but it almost seems to be, Nupur, that uh, with this change of regime in Italy and this new changed tougher stand, uh, that the government, the Italian government is ready to take on India despite the possible uh, diplomatic consequences. Well, uh, firstly, you're right, uh, uh, Vasu, about saying that, uh, you know, even here in Italy, in fact, people are a little embarrassed uh, that the government so clearly came out and said that these Marines are going to go back. Uh, so people are to some... Uh, sections of the media are saying that this is a bit of an embarrassment uh, and the credibility of the Italian government is shaken a little bit because they've just come out looking like they've changed their minds like that and they are taking this uh, to, to a very aggressive scale uh, and some, some people are against that uh, uh, as well. Uh, but it seems that the preoccupation of the Italians seems to be, despite the fact that there is political instability uh, here right now after the elections, uh, that uh, the, the special courts will perhaps uh, not take this in the direction in which they'd uh, like to see this go. And there was some mention also about this kind of fear uh, that the death penalty could also uh, be involved. So these are what the concerns well, are yes. uh, over here right now. But clearly, yes. Right, uh, Nupur, thanks very much Vasu, indeed. Uh, yeah. The Italians... Go ahead. 
not uh, being very clear on this point because at the, at, on the one hand they are saying that they want to uh, settle it amicably but at the other hand of course they have completely flouted uh, what the Supreme Court expected uh, them to do which is to send the Italian Marines back and Vasu before I leave you yes. uh, I'm sure you can hear uh, uh, the chanting right behind me of the conclave uh, to choose the Pope uh, beginning just as we are talking right now. Right, Nupur, of course, that story somewhat getting overwhelmed with this latest development on the Indian sailors, the Italian sailors, I beg your pardon. Thanks very much indeed uh, for joining us there from Rome. Moving on now to our other big story, the internal wrangling within the union cabinet over the proposed new anti-rape law may further delay the criminal amendment bill. The cabinet was meant to clear the bill today as a matter of formality, but it seems unable to have overcome deficiencies between different ministries over a host of issues, major and minor. The government claims it's committed to beating the clock and pushing the bill through. But activists worry that in that process of seeking political consensus, they might be blunting the spirit of the bill. There is an issue whether the age of consent should be 18 or 16. That is why there is a cabinet. In the cabinet, this will be resolved after a few minutes of discussion. It was expected to be a short cabinet meeting and the anti-rape law legislation was to be cleared and a mere formality. But instead, minister after minister raised concerns about the legislation, including the draconian provisions. The sticking points include the age of consent for sex. The Home Minister and the Minority Affairs Minister wanted the age lowered to 16. But the Women and Child Development Minister is against it, saying it is an open invitation for child abuse. The finance minister has also argued in favour of keeping the age of consent at 18. The law ministry, however, wants the age lowered below 16. The second big sticking point is whether to make the law gender neutral. The home ministry wants the ambiguous sexual assault phrase replaced with rape so that the onus is firmly on the man. But the law ministry has reservations about it. They want it to cover a man raping a man. Criminalizing voyeurism is another bone of contention. While the anti-rape law has made voyeurism punishable, law ministry feels voyeurism and stalking could be used to file false complaints. Couple Sibyl also wants a provision for false complaints and wants it made punishable. But Manish Tiwari's INB ministry has also expressed concerns over criminalizing voyeurism. My point of view is the same. Poxo we have recently passed in the parliament. So I agree on the age of 18 and 21 years. Because this is an extremely important and critical piece of criminal legislation, it is necessary to err on the side of caution so that the people of India have an effective, credible and a purposive bill. We may be running against time, but we must not run, run against reason. It's best to run against time rather than to run against reason. And the reason is, the reason is that we must have a sound, sustainable, uh, effect, effective and a balanced law. The whole country is waiting and watching for the law to be placed in parliament and be passed. The government earlier had issued an ordinance which has which is to lapse now. But unfortunately the Ministry of Law and Justice and the Home Ministry are loggerheads. The group of ministers headed by P. Chidambaram has given just 24 hours to finalize the bill and bring it before the cabinet on Thursday. The government now knows it's running against time not to allow the anti-rape law ordinance to lapse and keep its promise to the nation to toughen laws. In New Delhi, Sunit Prabhu, NDTV.
Well, joining me now tonight to debate this, I'm joined by Mr. Venkaya Naidu, senior BJP leader, also someone who's the chairman of the Standing Committee of Parliament on Home Affairs. Also joining me is Mr. Shantaram Nayak, who's the chairman of the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Personnel and Public Grievances, representing the Congress. Vrinda Grover, leading uh, activist on this particular issue, joins me as well, as does Justice R.S. Sodhi, former judge of the High Court. Thank you all so much uh, for joining me. If I can begin uh, with you, Mr. Shantaram Nayak, before we get into the specifics of the sticking points, that first we had Mr. Chidambaram just 72 hours ago saying that the cabinet is going to clear this in a matter of minutes, and now we are seeing more delays. Are you committed, sir, to ensuring that this bill does go through in letter or spirit? We are committed. We are committed because in principle, we are for a law, tougher law, to punish sexual offences and all those related offences connected with sexual assaults. And therefore, uh, when Chidambaran said that we are going to have it in minutes, he was right because uh, we want to have this law but passed sir, we've not had in minutes. But it's not happened in minutes. That's the whole point. No question. Can I just? Can okay, I just bring in okay, Venkaya okay, Naidu? Okay, you say you're committed, Mr. Yeah, yeah, Naidu. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Naidu, before I come to the specific areas where there seems to be a difference of views, uh, what do you make of this government's dithering? Do you believe that there is commitment or are you already beginning to uh, see some cracks or perhaps even the possibility of excuses? The government seems to be not serious at all. When they have referred to the standing committee this issue, they should have allowed the standing committee to discuss the matter in depth and then take a final call. They have appointed a Justice Verma Commission. I have no problem. After one month, the Justice Verma Commission has given a report and the government, without waiting for the standing committee report, has gone for an issue of ordinance. Now, after issuing the ordinance, one month is over and still the government is not able to come to any conclusion. How yes. do they explain this contradiction? That is the issue. Okay, let's, let's so go. Yeah. Uh, okay, sir, let me take our panel through the specific areas which seem to be holding up the ordinance from becoming a law. And if I can begin with the first issue which we mentioned, which is about the age of consent. Now, the age of consent recently until recently was 16, it was raised to 18 in the ordinance and now there's an attempt to bring it back to 16 once again, which is what the activists want and which has been the norm all this while. Brinda Grover, would you like to explain why this is important? See, the age of consent for consensual sexual acts should be retained at 16 years. If we were to raise that to 18, what we will end up doing is that because it would become statutory rape, even in cases where there is consensual sexual acts between a boy and a girl, you will actually criminalize that and the court will have no option but to send the young boy, or if it is gender neutral, the young girl also, packing into the jail. We do not want to criminalize consensual behavior. Creating this law is not about moral policing. Yes. This is not a law about marriage. This is about consensual sexual activity. The youth is asking for sexual autonomy. There is enough research and data to show 
there is sexual activity between young people. What is the purpose of criminalizing that? While on the other hand, you're making it gender neutral so that you cannot protect women. So we seem to be working totally at cross purposes. And okay. may I add yes. that the National Commission for Protection of Child Rights has strongly endorsed the position of 16 years. So all those who work with children want the age to be retained at 16. And those who side with khap panchayats and moral policing want it to be raised to 18. Okay, can I throw this to Mr. Nayak? Mr. Nayak, if almost everybody yeah. across the board is for keeping the age of consent to 16. Here you have your own Women and Child Development Minister actually arguing that it should be raised to 18. Are you, as Rinda Grover says, tying yourself up into knots? I, I would say that I, we will leave it the matter to the wiser decision, common decision of the cabinet. Cabinet is differing on various aspects, including the age. And in this connection, Yes. It is wiser to to wait for uh, the Chidambaran report and to have a particular view analyzed so properly. View? What, so what, sir, that, what is your view? Don't you, no, don't you I, believe I, that I, I the would, argument to raise like, the age to 18 is based on very little I substance? Would like to, it seems I to would be a regressive like argument. Express, I would like to express a particular view. I would like to leave it to the common decision, a wiser decision. Of, of the Indian cabinet. Mr. Naidu, now the government is obviously also uh, trying to seek political consensus through the all-party meeting on an issue like the age of consent. Where would the BJP stand? Are you okay so first of all, with leaving uh, it at, a, yeah, at 16? Mr. Jain, first, me, first let me remind you that the leader of opposition has suggested either a special session of parliament or an all-party meeting to discuss in depth about various dimensions of this proposal law. Right. The government has flatly refused. Now they want to call an all-party meeting. Better uh, late than ever. But my viewpoint is, in India, we have a tradition. The marriage age is 18 years. If you bring it down to 16, consent for uh, sex, yes. that means you are allowing free sex before marriage. Somehow, personally, I am not able to digest it because it will be encouraging sex before the marriage, which is not at all good for the country. Can I just get a quick response uh, from Vrinda yes. Grover to that? Yes. No, I respect uh, uh, the opinion that Mr. Naidu has expressed. I just want to state that whether we like it or not, young people are engaging in consensual sexual activity. What parliament has to decide now, that if even where the sexual activity <coughs> is consensual, are we going to send young boys into jail? Because that is what the impact of this law has to be. The court will have no discretion in the matter. But to send a young boy who has consensually engaged in sexual activity with a young girl to jail, whether it should happen or should not happen, okay. should take place in public discourse. Let us have other forums for that, <laughs> but not send young boys into jail for this. Okay, uh, there's obviously a lot of convincing to do. I'm just going to come to you, uh, Justice Sodhi, in a second as I take you over the next uh, point of dispute, which is, of course, on whether rape should be gender neutral or not. And here, once again, uh, as you know, 
the division seems to be in one of those rare instances <coughs> where even the Justice Verma Commission actually suggested that the term should be changed from rape to sexual assault, which activists like Vrinda Grover suggest gender neutrality. Uh, Justice Sodhi, now, what is your take on this? Why do you believe, again for the ordinary viewer, to explain to them why it's important to ensure that the definition remains gender specific? In other words, that rape only be defined when the man is raping the woman as opposed to gender neutral, which allows <coughs> even men to argue that they can be raped by women. Well, do you find it impossible that a man can be raped by a woman? If I'm you, asking if, your view, Justice Sodhi. There is such an impossibility. <laughs> See, as far as my view is concerned, I think what, what Justice Verma uh, mentioned was a progressive view, but maybe uh, it's not being uh, uh, appreciated by the, uh, by the women's movement. But I, I, all said and done, you see, you must, uh, there must be more debate. You can't have this uh, knee-jerk uh, legislations can't be passed like this. I am not in favor of knee-jerk legislations. Let there be a proper debate on each Sir, and the, every topic. Criminal, yes, with all the respect, women, the criminal uh, law amendment bill is not knee-jerk. It's been pending for years. And now we're finally getting closer to passing it. Even if... Yes, what even if it has been pending for years. The the, 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 what uh, is pending? I, right. Uh, what is pending? No, no, sir. Complete your point. I, I don't want to. I don't want to move into generalities just now. I want to stick to specifics. Uh, Justice Sodhi, I take your point about the fact that you believe that it it is a progressive step to make it gender neutral. You personally asked me for my view. I don't agree with you, but I'm trying to be uh, a neutral arbiter here. Uh, can I just? Uh, Go across to Gopal Subramaniam, who I believe we have uh, on the panel with us. He's just joined us. He's been, of course, a member of the committee which uh, drafted uh, the Verma Commission report. Uh, Mr. Subramaniam, thank you for joining us. Midway through our discussion, we were on the subject of the debate over the definition of rape, whether it should be gender neutral or not. Uh, the Verma Commission actually pushed for that, pushed for gender neutrality. Uh, why did you do that, given the fact that you may be well aware of the anxieties uh, that activists like Vrinda Grover has raised over making rape gender neutral. Well, I think uh, if you look at the definition of rape, uh, it has got some kind of historical significance. It is a crime uh, committed against women by men over a period of history. And I think one of the sections of the report really deals with, shall we say, the position of women in Indian society. That is why we wanted to define all these offences, including rape, in a certain graded and systematic manner, beginning with zero up to rape. And the purpose was that we wanted to see that women had adequate levels of comfort, yes. and particularly things like voyeurism, and stalking, we thought, ought to be included as separate no, but coming, and individual No, but coming offenses. to the issue of the gender as neutrality... As far as gender specific... Yeah, yes. Yes, as, as far as gender neutrality is concerned, I would like you to uh, see the words which we have actually used in the provision. The provision clearly suggests that there is an assault as far as a woman is concerned. If you read it very closely... 
One is you have completely, totally a person and a person. The second is you have a person and a woman. And what we thought was that while we would keep in mind the idea of gender neutrality, yes. but we would definitely use the word rape so that the classical crime of rape would be reinforced. And we had adequate international, shall we say, support for this opinion. And we conferred with people in other jurisdictions who supported this approach. Uh, Rinda Grover? Yes. I just want to clarify here, and I think that's exactly what Mr. Subramaniam is saying. The Verma Committee did not advocate that rape should be removed. In fact, I think what the Verma Committee did was to pr try and provide protection to all, which is really the way forward, and I wish the government had paid attention to it. They said retain rape as a targeted sexual penetrative crime against women, but also provide protection to men by keeping the accused gender specific. The accused can only be a man, but there may be instances where there is sexual assault not only of a woman by a man, but also sexual assault of another man by a man. And that is where the gradation of gender neutrality of the victim was brought in by the Verma committee, not at all gender neutrality of the accused. This is an invention of the ordinance. This mischief has been played by the ordinance and it is actually a lethal blow to any law that is being made on this subject and will serve no purpose. Okay, uh, Mr. Naidu, uh, what do you believe that it is important to ensure there is gender specificity? Because as Vinda Grover argues, if you bring in gender neutrality to both victim and the accused, then you're actually taking away from the spirit of this entire exercise, which is to give protection to women. I totally agree with her. In fact, uh, she met me also to discuss this issue. Yes. But I can tell you, by this ordinance, by making it gender neutral, has defeated the very purpose of the act. Yes. The very debate that's going on in the country is about uh, atrocities against women. A man can rape woman, but I have not come across any instance of a woman raping a man so far, to my knowledge. There are atrocities against men also by men. Yes. That has been dead by Verma Commission. But to be specific, this act of rape has to be gender specific and the accused has to be a man and the victim has to be a woman. Uh, so, can I just get a quick word from you, Mr. Nayak, that by doing yes. away yeah. with gender specificity, you are going against the very spirit of this entire exercise? Or by even debating see, it? One thing. Are these all fundamentals nobody, which should even be debated within the cabinet? Nobody is summarizing, nobody is summarizing even the basic provisions of the ordinance. Like, for instance, voyeurism, stalking, Sir, we are, not, we are not on that yet. I am coming to... I am, uh, sir, uh, sir, sir, uh, sorry, sorry. We are coming to voyeurism and stalking and, next. Uh, I am on the question yeah. of gender neutrality, which the ordinance, by bringing that in, what the panel sexual is saying is that's going against, has, that's violating the very spirit uh, of this exercise. The sexual assault has got a wider definition as time passes. And therefore, there is a view regarding this gender neutrality. 
and that is the purpose of bringing in this law let us not run away from what led to the making of this law okay let's now come to the point about voyeurism and stalking which again seems to emerge as a bone of contention within uh, the government those are both areas of the law which the varma commission introduced to widen the definition of uh, sexual violence but again there seems to be some reluctance on the part of the cabinet with some ministers actually feeling uh, that this might be an instrument for misuse Uh, Gopal Subramaniam, if you could just explain to us uh, the rationale behind your bringing in uh, these additional provisions, uh, particularly in the context of these anxieties uh, which seem to have been triggered within the government as a result. Well, I think uh, the first thing, Srinivasan, which I need to tell you is that the committee found that in our society, where patriarchy is still so pronounced, yes. there is an asymmetry. in the relationship between men and women that's the first point the second is that this asymmetry manifests in various ways it actually begins at childhood it begins with neglect of a female child right it moves on to school and when it comes on to school that's the time when you have let's say the first instance which is an offensive stalking now remember that stalking is actually a serious offense because it demolishes the morale the self confidence the feeling of self worth of a girl child very quickly and we came across various girls who had dropped out of school right. and who were told by their parents not to go back to school or college only because of stalking and i think therefore we felt that it was a contemporary need there is a law in england which deals with stalking okay, and voyeurism voyeurism and what we have done is voyeurism is about when somebody who has got a certain entitlement of privacy in relation to her body in relation to her sexual or private acts that <clears> there <throat> she is entitled to believe that nobody is going to invade that privacy and that is why we have a specific definition for voyeurism and this okay, also yes. is an internationally accepted definition of sexual harassment right uh, mr nayak again uh, explain to us yeah. what is the doubt what is the anxiety in the government's mind over these provisions both of which as uh, gopal subramaniam says have well known international precedents both both are new concepts as time passes these new concept have come to fore and if in case these two definitions we had not included then activities would have blamed us for not taking stock of this situation for not not taking into consideration the new concepts but And your own but your but brought your own cabinet is is now there, there raising questions over these One very thing. provisions brinda grover there can be differences there can yes. be differences no doubt about brinda grover can i put it to you that is it important in yes. this in this particular provision <coughs> that the battle the, or the fight should be more over stalking as as more of a serious serious offense compared to voyeurism is it important to draw a distinction here 
Well, you know, it's, it's hard to make this comparison because they are two distinct offences. But I would say that there, are, there is a lot of evidence, if they would only look at police records, not records created by us, that stalking is done as it, ca it can very often be a, a preemptory crime to rape, to murder, as it was in the Priyadarshini Mattu case. Stalking is not a new concept. Stalking is taking place in India regularly. We need legal remedy for it. If for voyeurism, there, is, there needs to be a greater discussion on the formulation of voyeurism. Right. That can be open to consideration. Perhaps there are provisions already in the Indian Penal Code and okay. the, uh, the IT Act which can take care of some of this. However, I want to say that why, the reason why all this has been opened up for debate again yes. is not because there is expertise or democracy at play in the cabinet, but because there is a panic that has set in. That if these laws come into place, men who are committing these crimes will start getting booked for them. That, Naidu, I imagine, was okay. the purpose that the government embarked on this exercise. Mr. Naidu, is that the feeling that you're getting, that there's a panic setting in, not just amongst the government, but perhaps even amongst the political class, that all of this could end up getting men in trouble? And now there's a, a sort of patriarchal closing of ranks that's happening. <laughs> uh, that can be one view. And stalking, of course, it's a growing uh, menace that has to be taken care. That's why we have accepted with the provisions of the ordinance as well as the recommendation by Justice Verma Commission. Right. With regard to misusing of these provisions, we have to take care of them. I will be awaiting for the final decision of the cabinet. Then only I will be able to react on that. Okay, uh, last I word from like you, Gopal Subramanya Vrinda. Like Just a second, yes. I want to give Gopal the last word because he's not had enough of a chance in this discussion. Mr. Subramanyam, overall... I do overall, want to make a small point before this ends. Okay, uh, uh, Mr. Subramanyam, overall, do you believe as you're listening into this debate, do you agree with those like Vrinda Grover that the government seems to be developing cold feet, particularly with this aspect that all of this <clears throat> might actually go against the interests of men? Or do you believe that there could still be something good that will come out of this whole exercise? What disappoints me actually, Srinivasan, is not simply about the ordinance or the bill or the differences about the various expressions which are used there. Our report said, have a women's charter, a bill of rights for women, by which their equality is pronounced. And I find it somewhat strange that nobody, not a single human being in the entire Indian state and the government is wanting a law to be passed by which their rights should be equally pronounced. And I think that is one of the significant contributions of the Verma Committee report. There's a third segment also, apart from criminal offences, which is the amendment to the Representation of People Act yes. because political empowerment of women itself has been seriously impaired when you have a 31% of your electoral college of consisting of people with criminal record. Now, these are all issues which need to be considered. No, that's and true. And this report yes. also has a prescription for gender transformative exercises in schools. It has a curriculum no, change. No, that, that's true, it Mr. Subramanian. issues relating to... Uh, yeah. No, I agree yes. with you. I think the, the ambit of the, the report of went much wider than simply is, changing is, the individual no, no. laws. Yes. Of course. Of course. Because you have to have a history to this law. 
This is just not about rape, definition of rape, whether it's penetrative and what kind of rape. When we use the word rape, we must also deal with all that which leads to the culture of rape. No, I and agree. I think I, that is an important issue. I couldn't issue. agree with you more. Muslim it just seems addressed. that it just seems that even that that wider ambitious scope uh, it, is is one thing, but just the very basics on which uh, there is an attempt to to try and push change is getting blocked. Uh, last word from you, Vrinda, before we wrap. Yes, I would actually want to uh, uh, recommend and and request to senior parliamentarians like Mr. Venkaiya Naidu to please urge the government to take the Verma Committee report in its totality for discussion in Parliament, particularly the Charter of Rights. That is what requires discussion. And I would like to just point out to what Mr. Nayak said. Before the law is in place, we are talking about misuse of the law. Where is the evidence of misuse of the stalking of voyeurism provision? Why is that? That is what I'm saying. Today, the Cabinet, when it met, and when the GOM, when it went in to meet, what were they looking at the bill for? They were saying, what will go against men? It is extremely yes. tragic that we are no yes. longer looking at this bill to see how is it going to safeguard women's dignity and rights. That oh. is what is at stake here. And I would urge Parliament to remember that. Must be Please do not allow any provision which is going to introduce false, uh, uh, this whole element of false cases right. that is taken care of in the Indian Penal Code okay. already. Okay, okay. We'll it have to must leave be it. remember that we have exhaustively uh, amended IPC, CRPC and Evidence Act. Exhaustively. Alright, we'll have to leave it there. Mr. Chidambaram says that there is a deadline by Thursday by which the Cabinet will come up with its final formulation. All party meeting and they claim they will still try and push uh, this bill through in this session before the ordinance expires. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, if the government does have the commitment to do that. But clearly in this case, going by what Mr. Naidu is saying, the real opposition seems to be one which is within uh, rather than external. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll have to leave it there. Uh, moving on now to another one of our big stories. India's trial of its first indigenous long-range cruise missile failed today when the missile veered off its flight trajectory. At first, defense scientists claimed it was a partial success but later, debris from the missile was found near a village in coastal Orissa, confirming that the launch was a far greater failure than claimed. NDTV's Pallava Bagla has the story. India's maiden cruise missile Nirbhay, seen here soon after its launch. But today, its maiden test flight didn't go as planned. It had to be terminated less than halfway, and the debris of the missile was later found on land in Jagat Singhpur district by villagers. Luckily, nobody was injured. Some 20 minutes into the hour-long flight and after having traveled about 250 kilometers, some component on the missile failed and the onboard jet engine was cut off by ground controllers to ensure safety of the coast. Scientists worked hard to make today's flight a success. And while the failure may have been a setback, scientists have ambitious plans for it. NDTV got exclusive access to the making of the missile, which can be launched from a mobile launcher. It launches like a missile. Early in flight, special small wings get deployed. It then flies like an aeroplane highly maneuverable and can fly at treetop level to avoid radar detection. 
the missile can even hover near the target, striking at will from any direction. This is a subsonic cruise missile. The subsonic cruise missile are basically aircraft converted into a cruise missile. But clearly, India will have to wait another day for this missile. Nirbhay lifted off from Chandipur in Odisha, traveling south and was terminated near the coast over the Bay of Bengal, ending on land in Jagatsingpur district. DRDO is still analyzing the causes of the failure and suggests that the next test may be conducted within this year. This is India's Nirbhay missile, a cruise missile, which lifts off like a missile, then flies like an aircraft. It can even hover and loiter near a target before striking. A very first development by India. India now joins a handful of countries which have this capability. With camera person Alphonse Raj, deep inside the Defense Research and Development Organization, Pallav Bagla for NDTV. All right, a bit of a change of tack now. Australian cricket is in its deepest crisis after four Aussie players were dropped from the next test against India. Opinion is somewhat divided. A very few, small minority, in fact, say this was a much-needed kick in the backside that Australian cricket needed. But for the most, there is disbelief and outrage and even humour over the dropping of players because, in effect, they didn't turn in their homework. Here's the first comments from one of those who was dropped Australian Vice-Captain Shane Watson, who in fact flew home midway uh, through the series, raising questions about whether or not he'll actually continue in Test cricket. I obviously accept um, that I did the wrong thing um, with, with what I did, um, but I will always find it very hard to accept um, being suspended from a Test match from a country because, look, I've missed a lot of test matches and games um, through injury throughout my career and also you feel like I've worked my absolute bum off as well to be able to have an opportunity to be able to represent my country. Myself and Michael have go a little bit further back than a year and a half so um, you know Michael actually I talked to Michael as I got off the flight as well because he obviously heard about the comments that Pat made as well so um, everything's okay. To me not only is it uh, disrespecting the team not handing this information in, but it's also disrespecting the head coach. And that's unacceptable at any level. Okay, so that just to clarify, that was Shane Watson as of today saying that things are okay between him and Michael Clark. And that was Michael Clark's statement uh, from two days ago when, in fact, uh, the decision to drop these players was announced. Joining me to try and make sense of what on earth is going on with Australian cricket, if at all that's possible, is Dean Jones, uh, of course, well-known Australian cricket legend. Thanks very much indeed, Dean, for joining Pleasure, us. Yeah, it's fine. Are you still scratching your head trying to make sense of what just happened? Yeah, I am, because um, I was the batting coach for a couple of test matches at home and a couple of one days. Mm -hmm. uh, part of the squad, I didn't see anything was going on. I know the coach and the captain were driving them hard. Uh, the team was winning, and within one month of being here in this fabulous country, things have imploded, like right. just completely imploded. Now, so you're from the school of thought that believes that the decision to drop these four guys was a complete overreaction. Well, now what? It's it's a very good call. When I first heard it, like everyone else, I thought, "What the hell has happened there?" But right. now sentiment in Australia is starting to go towards 
Mickey Arthur, the coach, and Michael Clark now. Oh, really? Because, because there's been underlying problems that are coming out. Always the truth comes out, as you know. Okay. There's been underlying problems about players' attitudes over the past couple of months. Right, so it wasn't just this no. one business of not turning in their homework, Correct. but actually other stuff as well that's been Correct. happening. For Absolutely. example, do we know what those other instances are? No, they haven't come out with those type of things yet. Um, but I know as a player, and I don't know how you would feel uh, if I sat here and said to you, actually, I want to have your job. We work together, but I like your job. And I said that on air. Right. Now, that's basically what Shane Watson's been saying about Ed Cowan's job as the opening batsman. So I don't think we would be working too well on our show and all that type of stuff. So, right. so that was one issue, that's that he one wanted issue, to open yeah. and that there was some tension within the team yeah. because of that. Mm. So, it, it, it's, so it's it was a, building up. Yeah. But it's funny you say that, you know, that there's actually now a shift in mood because mm. if I can just put on the screen some of the tweets yeah. and Twitter has, as you know, exploded because of this. Mm. Almost everyone in Australian cricket has come out slamming it. Uh, Shane Warren says, as I've always said, coach should not be selector. He should communicate well with the players and help them prepare. That's it. Mm. The captain runs the team and in conjunction with the selectors picks the team. Ridiculous what's happening. Darren Lehman, adults we are, not schoolboys. Please let's act properly and make good decisions in India. Uh, Damien Martin, of course, that famous tweet saying, is it safe to go to bed? Don't want to wake up in the morning <laughs> and the whole side is gone. So it's been largely very, very uh, against. Yeah, well, but you're I, saying I now that say changing. Shane Warnes was against because ultimately Michael Clark also has to call the shots. Right. And I think the captain should always call the shots and that's what Shane Warne just said. Ultimately, it comes down to the captain. So collectively, they all agreed that the four players come out. So... This is the big one, Vasu, that people haven't quite picked up. No. What happens if seven players didn't do these presentations? Now, just for some exactly. of the people... It's just for the people at home. Mickey Clark asked, after the two shocking losses, asked for a three-point plan from each player. What are they going to do for Mahali? How can they improve to get a win? No. I want these in by Saturday, Saturday night. I don't care how you bring them in, be email, SMS, you can sit there and talk to me. Slip it under the door. Whatever. whatever. Oh, talk to me in person. Four players didn't do it by Sunday night. I think there was a bit of leverage time in the morning on Sunday and they still didn't do it. So they said, right, enough's enough of these players right. ignoring our wishes. Now, we can, there's three sides to every story. Three. There's the coach's side and the captain's. There's the player's side. Right. And there's the truth. <laughs> so... We're going to find out over the next couple of days or next week what actually has been happening. Now, here's the point. If you want to walk into a room and you're a bit worried about what you have been honestly, candidly say, well, coach, you really haven't been preparing as well for this tour. Right. So Are you worried about the repercussions that might come from that and you might not get dropped? You might get dropped because the coach and the captain both are, feel are selectors. Right. So you don't want to cross that line. No. But tell me, uh, do you know what's going to happen now? Because you've got the Big Ashes yeah. series coming up. No, and no, you no, no. Any... Let's, 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 let's don't you even know, go there. You know what? We've, <laughs> Australia's still got a chance to hold the Border Gavaskar Trophy. Right. Because we currently hold it now, Australia. You still think no. that despite all of this? <laughs> no, of course you don't. But I tell you what, no. the, the English players are having a, a real... Uh, yeah. dig at your expense on this. Here's mm. what Andrew Flintoff said, or Damien mm. Fleming first said, on a positive note, Ed Cowan's presentation has just been nominated for a Nobel yeah. Peace Prize. Mm. <laughs> Freddie Flintoff, amazing four Aussie players banned for not doing homework. I thought letting them play in the next test would be punishment though. <laughs> That's Hashtag 3-0 India. Yeah. 
Well, that's, that's that, good well, for coming from those yeah. boys, and that's fine. That's part of the build-up, you know, and that's what it's about. But ultimately... But Shane Watson, uh, mm. any, any thoughts on what call he's going to make? Because well, that, oh, that was a big blow. There's a big things going on in his life at the moment. You know, he hasn't been playing well. He's got hamstring, groin problems, fitness problems. He wants to bowl and he can't bowl. He's tried batting at number four and now he's failing. He wants to go back to opening again now. Like, you know, how much are we self-possessed, uh, uh, obsessed by Shane Watson? Right. You know, look. So, do, he, so, don't, so don't make this all about him, you're saying. You make know, it about do, the team as a whole. Do you know Australia at home in our last two, we beat India 4-zip. Shane Watson didn't play one test. Right. So why are they so worried about Shane Watson? Shane Watson is, is going to have the greatest time of his life right now. He's about to become a father for the first time. So, so we wish him all the best for that. But at the same time, he needs to have a real good hard think right. and stop talking and start performing. Okay, so your overall take on this, some in the Australian media calling it the biggest crisis yeah. Australian cricket yeah. has ever faced. Yeah. True? No, because I was part of a team in 1988 when we got smashed by the West Indies. It was at the MCG. Um, we were the most insipid, gutless performance ever put in by an Australian team that I've ever seen. And did I was part of that. Did heads roll? And, uh, and, and, and what happened is at the end of it, end of the day's play, we all sat together and we looked at each other in the eye and we said, we're going to do something about this. So we completely changed our culture, our work ethics, the way we uh, spoke to each other. No negativity. So it was, a, it was a big part. It was a game changer. Massive. It went, the meeting went for three to four hours. Right. And we said to Alan Bore, our captain, he said, we're prepared to risk our careers if you're willing to risk your career for us. Okay. Now, we won the next game within three days. Right. We had a draw, and then we beat England for zip. So things can change if you get everyone working together. All right. Well, let's hope for the sake of Australian cricket. Fingers that crossed. That does happen. Fingers crossed. Thanks very much indeed, Dino, right. for joining us. Well, that's it. Uh, on India Decides but uh, before we leave you coming up next after the break is a tribute to one of the greats of Indian art Ganesh Pine who passed away today in Kolkata from all of us here goodbye <laughs>